All right. Wow. It's so fun to have an award-winning filmmaker here. And I wish she was in the studio, but we are here virtually. But uh, it is today. It's Tuesday, the 26th. And we're here to promote Try Harder, which is going to be screening at the upcoming HIF, Hawaii International Film Festival. So award-winning filmmaker, Debbie Lum, in the house. Um, closely connected to Hawaii, too. And I'm going to let you describe your connection to Hawaii and Honolulu specifically, and then we'll go from there. How about that? Hi, Debbie. Hi, Crystal. Thank you so much for having me on your show. It's very exciting to be here. Um, yeah, I have a, my father grew up in Hawaii and my entire family on my dad's side is all on Oahu. So I think it, I think of it as my home away from home, or I, I think of it as the motherland actually. <laughs> so. Do you see yourself living here at some point or no? Well, my daughter decided during the pandemic year of school that we were moving there because she couldn't take. <laughs> she decided for the family that you guys are going to be moving here. That's great. Into high school first. That be, that's really hard to do. Yeah. That was one of my questions was, okay, is Punahou the equivalent to Lowell, but then Lowell's a public high school. So for people who don't understand, and I will, uh, you know, continue to uh, explain this film, Try Harder, which kind of uh, traces the the trials and tribulations of high school seniors on their path to getting into a good college and the pressures. I'd like to also make it relevant to us here in Hawaii because, you know, we, we dismiss this place as being not one of the major cities in the country, but in fact, there are a lot of problems and there's a lot of similarities in that there is a very high percentage of Asian Americans and uh, Pacific Islanders here. So we can draw that kind of analogy and We'll enter the, um, the, the discussion on this film, Try Harder, by why don't we start with how you grew up, your, your life as a high school kid and how that shaped you. Yeah, my experience is very different from both Lowell High School in San Francisco, where my film takes place, and of course, Honolulu or Oahu um, or Hawaii. Um, I grew up in America's heartland in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, just west of the Mississippi, where uh, the St. Louis Arches, <laughs> a long time ago, back when like there were no Asians in Missouri, it felt wow. like. I mean, there were a few, and you know, many of my friends, my my friends that I did have were Asian American because we kind of all stuck together. But um, so, so the Asians did stick together, and that was kind of like the way it worked. Socially, except for literally in the time that we grew up in, it was like we were the only family. That's what it, it felt like. And we didn't really meet families until I went to high school, I would say. Um, then I met other Asian American families in St. Louis. My community of Asian Americans growing up was always here in Hawaii, actually, going back um, to visit my family here, um, which again, it's like very different from the Bay Area Asian Americans. It's, same and different, you know. Yeah, explain that a little bit for people to kind of get a sense of. Well, I think, you know, I think you're lucky in the islands. It's such a pan-Asian diverse, um, where it's like being Asian American and being part of like the majority is a really common thing. And that is also true in certain parts of California, especially in San Francisco. But I was really surprised to figure out like when my kids started going to school and in SF that just it, it it's still kind of a fight to get 
you know, Asian American representation, even in like academics and things like that. Um, and it's definitely been a much more contentious thing. Historically, if you look at, you know, just like the whole history of exclusion and, and all of that, um, which really is born out of the Bay Area, right? Yes. So on the one hand, we, you know, like in San Francisco, San Francisco, Asian Americans are a third of the population of the city generally. Wow. You know, but still historically, there's been a lot of conflict. Um, so it's just a different thing. I think in Hawaii, it's much more kind of, um, I don't know, like it's just more kind of organically diverse in a way, you know? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I do talk to sometimes um, some, some students here at UH and some of them, you know, when it comes to racism against Asians, you, you think because it's such a dominant um, community here that you don't have those things. But then there are a lot of the, the younger generation who feel the microaggressions or I think it's really more the pressures from the family that create this uh, because of these expectations, you know. And again, it goes into the stereotype of why Asians have these kind of high achieving, you know, uh, super model minority, and I hate that word, but it, you know, it reinforces this idea of, of, of these Asian kids. And when I say Asians, that's, that's a kind of problematic term too, but to distinguish more East Asians who tend to be in that certain category, you know, this is a very dangerous turf in how we kind of explain and describe people. And I'm apologizing to people who feel like, I mean, I'm not doing justice to it, but there is, um, that assumption oftentimes, um, and, and the, students take it on themselves because growing up with a very kind of controlling, um, you know, traditional family, if you will, um, you, you have those expectations, right? And that's across the, the world. It's not Hawaii or San Francisco. There is something, something implicit about the, the immigrant family and that striving for success and what does it mean to succeed? And your film kind of explores that through the process. So what are your concepts of the idea of success? Because that's like a troubling term. I think things are morphing now and it's being redefined. It's so hard for students everywhere across the US in the world just in terms of the expectations that we have. I think technology has made it such that we all feel the pressure kind of globally, you know? Um, so success to me, you know, it's so interesting because the, I grew up in a totally different era. It was like the seventies and I'm dating yourself. <laughs> totally dating myself. I'm an old lady. And um, in our generation, it was like, I mean, I not only had an anti-tiger mom, I mean, my mom, we would joke because I, I did um, a competitive sport. I did gymnastics. My mother okay. would go to my events with her like Rhea knitting. It's not even knitting. It's like this very seventies type of thing. <laughs> okay. Macrame and, and whatnot. Okay. Like the era of halters, homemade halters. You know? right. Yeah, <laughs> I know that. <laughs> yeah. And like, um, she would, it was like the seventies and eighties and she would just like, you know, go and not even pay any attention to any competition that I was part oh. of, you know, cause she wasn't high pressure at all. all right. And I think generally speaking, our, our, our generation was very much like the latchkey kids and, um, process over product. So it's mm. like really about like, 
the you know that success is is in the is in the doing in the creative process or in the journey not in the destination mm. nowadays we are so um fixated on just brand name success the one or two few successes and it's a very narrow definition um so even you know that's the other complete extreme um you know you could be successful by not even getting into college you know by just finding your own way but we don't have that we don't it has to be a certain kind of college and it you know and you know there is a reason for that because the way the world is you know college degree is like a high school degree graduate degree is like a college degree you need all of this academic um you know certification to have a job that pays a salary that allows you to live today. I mean, it's just a lot more pressure. So I, I can, I, I can, you know, although it's different from the way that I was raised, um, I think the underlying pressure, it's like a universal thing, you know, kids use education. I mean, education is necessary for young people to succeed and um, parents want their children to be successful and it's always been like that. It always will be like that. But I think that there's a sense in today that it's there's only a few options, you know? And so it makes it very difficult. Um, you know, there's been studies out there right now that like high achieving students are at risk for mental health issues. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. it's like- the, this- the suicide rate and the depression rate, especially in light of COVID in the last couple of years has been taking its huge toll on, on students. And I think there's a lot of it that's not even visible. So we don't know the extent of this damage. But even aside from COVID, don't you think that the system is cracking? I feel like, you know, when that film, what was that documentary a few years ago called The Ivory Tower, which kind of, um, you know, examines the problematics of the the university life and how so many college students were kind of well I guess they were focusing on a lot who were you know almost taking advantage of just being there and wasting their parents money on just partying and then what does college mean the tuition was you know the astronomical um, numbers that we need as parents need to get them into a good place and then what does this whole system mean and how are we trapped by it why are we so consumed with this idea of success relating to higher education and why are we not seeing things through other ways of knowing and um and and i i feel like those conversations need to come into place because your film was very troubling for me because it brought up so many issues that are um that are close to my life now too, because I have three kids who are, you know, struggling and, um, you know, I have a high achiever, but then I have one who refuses college. I've got the extremes and I'm trying to make sense of what it means to learn today, because I don't believe that we all need to go through this. And, And your film highlights a very specific way of entering that road to success, right? So I want to just unpack what success means and how your film dives into it and what, whether it's, um, you know, does it reinforce this whole kind of system that we're, we're sucked in by? Or is it in fact kind of revealing the troubles and giving us a chance to kind of reflect and, and, and challenge ourselves on what we need our parent, our kids to go through? I, I think that students today are 
under so much pressure to succeed academically in a way that we weren't when we were in high school. Yeah. You know, we were, it was a more, um, we were all more generalists, you know, and we, you know, high school is a place where you discover yourself and you, you know, you, you worked hard, but you also had a lot of fun, I think. And nowadays high school has become a bit of a job for a lot of kids, you know, a, a lot of kids. It's, a, it's really a resume building college application process instead of high school, you know, it's like the students at Lowell High School, you know, they've got great sports players, but the sports players are not being cheered on by their fans because there's not enough, the kids are too busy doing their homework. Um, and in, in many ways, um, you know, it's a top-down problem because if you look at, I mean, every, it, it, it's like it's a compounded problem. It's like top-down, parent from parents to their kids, the kids peer-to-peer, -peer, it's like the college admissions industry, it's everything. Um, and it's this, and social media, it's like this sense yeah. that there's only a few options. Yeah. And the thing is that um, it's hard to understand when you're in the process. And I say this having, obviously I haven't gone through it, but I've seen so many different people go through it is that um, actually there's so many amazing colleges, um, not just yeah. the narrow band, right. the Ivy league and the top ranked UCs um, or whatever they might be for your, you know, it's like, there's so many great, if you look at all the kids that are applying, they're so competitive. Those kids are going to colleges everywhere. And yeah. so you're, you as a student, um, future college student, or as the parent of a future college student are gonna see those kids going to all the schools that your kid ends up, that, that the student ends up going to. Um, and so that's a big eye opener, I think. You yeah, know. you address that in the film, and um, that that's a good point because you know branding of schools has been so important, and you know it's like it's like name branding on on consumer products. It's like why do we get so sucked into names and the privilege of a certain space as a as the only way into success and what dictates that so you're talking about top down i think it's even a larger beyond the you know the parent over the student thing is gosh this whole system of like the foundations of education is based on a very patriarchal structure right it's almost like you have to follow the system and that's it you know we are the respectful dutiful kids who know to tr try our best and to um, to succeed and it becomes very problematic when we don't when we get I guess misinterpret again going back to success in in why a certain name brand school means more like you said everybody recognizes that there are many good schools out there and yet we still prefer to go to those like okay yeah well i'm still going to strive for the top 10 i know those are good but so we can't get out of that system and i'm wondering how 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 that's going to change or based on your experience with this process that is a very tough question and i think it's also human nature to kind of want the best for your child or the best as a student, you know? And um, it's, it's really, um, 
So when we made the film, we could see that so many kids were trying to go for all of these really, you know, um, low acceptance rate colleges under 5%, you know, where the odds that you apply, you're not going to get in. And it used to be that people would kind of look at that and think in a reasonable way and go, well, maybe I shouldn't apply, you know. Um, But now there's just this expectation that you should, um, which is, which is kind of interesting. I think it's understanding what will happen if you do apply. Whose expectations are they though? Are they their own expectations or their families, the schools? It certainly comes from, it's it's everything around you. I mean, I think it, you know, obviously there's a lot of kids in our um, stories whose parents are making those decisions. Um, But I would say like also at a, at a school like Lowell High School, at a school like, you know, there's a bunch of schools in Hawaii too, you know, that are like yeah. that, super high achieving. Um, the expectation is actually primarily coming from peers. Hmm. You know, the peer pressure, the peer pressure today is not so much about like whether your clothes look cool or if you've got um, a nice haircut, it's more like, are you getting great grades? In class. Oh man, aren't you glad you're not growing up in this era now as a high school kid? Wow. (sighs) You know, okay, so we're addressing, if people are just tuning in, we're addressing, I'm here with director Debbie Lum, addressing the pressures of this process and trying to get into um, top universities uh, and through your documentary, Try Harder, about that centers around this high school, public high school, Lowell in San Francisco. Why don't we take a quick break and when we come back, let's let's just dive into your film and maybe you can offer some examples of, of, of the characters that you uh, portray and, and the process they're going through and your process as a filmmaker. So don't go away. Welcome back. I'm here with filmmaker, award-winning filmmaker, Debbie Lum, here with her new film, Try Harder, which is about the struggles of high school seniors at Lowell High School in San Francisco to get into colleges. And, you know, Debbie and I were talking earlier about the pressures that uh, the, the students go through and the larger system that's kind of uh, dictating this pressure and, and the difference from like the generation we grew up in. And, and here we are, another generation past, you know, like my, my kids are at that age. My daughter just went to college and my younger one is probably going to be doing his applications next year. And it's real. And I hate this process. So before we, or we can maybe share like your uh, experience being at Lowell, cause you felt like I read somewhere where you said you felt like you were a student again, reliving your high school life, just being there. Um, yeah. Yeah. If you just, I mean, you are a You've got run the gauntlet if you've just had your daughter get into college. That's really crazy. I witnessed it. Um, yeah. Well, I went through that whole process last year, exactly what you're talking about in your film with all these kids. Now, of course, so my daughter went to Midpac and it um, which is a private school, and um and and they have their pressures, right? I mean, it's interesting. I, I don't know how you can compare schools, and I don't know if it's fair to do that. But we do have some assumptions, as you had mentioned, uh, of Hawaii being a little bit more laid back. And it depends on what school you go to, right? So my son, my younger son's in a uh, public uh, he chose to do an online school uh, because he didn't like mid He He made me 
change for him. And, and this is, again, the mom dilemma, like, do you allow them? Do you, do you respect their vision for their ways of learning? Or do you do that tiger mom thing? And so, no, this is the way to go. And your film does that. You have like a couple of examples. There is that one who she seems to be very relaxed, but she's not. She's really kind of really breathing down his back. And then you have another one. Oh, by the way, I think it's really interesting and important that you did center your story around the students' lives and not so much about the mothers behind talking. But you 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 just somehow sprinkle that in very delicately and importantly. So I just wanted to mention that. Um, yeah, so so the the being a parent, uh, being a part of this process of the high school senior year application ordeal um, is an interesting dynamic, you know, between the parents and the kids, don't you think? It's Yeah, it is like one of the students says it's like a war on two fronts because you have your, he's around, surrounded by the top, you know, achievers in the San Francisco public school district. But then he comes home and the pressure at home and you know, really what I saw was a battle between students and parents. It was kind of like a primordial, you know, because the, the job of a high school student is to grow up and become a young adult. And so yes. they're kind of naturally at war with their parents because the parents, especially in today's age, are so like, they're so um, over kind of keyed into their kids' Academic. I mean, like, I, I think in our generation, the parents just kind of like, yeah, my mom didn't do anything. She didn't even know what I was taking. Yeah. She didn't even know what major I was when I went to college. It's like, yeah. Yeah. You'd be happy. Like I was like, I, I wished I had a tiger mom who would help me with my homework and stuff. But no, come on. But you joke about that. But in hindsight, aren't you glad she kind of like sit back and you kind of like figured out things for yourself or no? Oh, I can't really imagine it another way, I guess. Um, yeah. But, you know, I mean, we, my mom might be an extreme on the other end of the spectrum. Really? <laughs> That's kidding. I love my mom and she's amazing. Um, but like when she sent us off to college, it was like, okay, that's it. <laughs> Go, you know, like that's your job. You figure it all out. And like, um, I think that was just like a, you know sometimes it's a generational thing. It's, it's a really common thing I've heard from a lot of people. Really? Asian, Chinese too? Um, yeah, maybe, maybe not as much, but my mom was, you know, when she was a kid, she came over from China at age six and she grew up in New York city. And then at a certain point, you know, somebody was like, Hey, you know, there's this great opportunity for school. And like, by the time she was nine, they had sent her off to a boarding school. So, you know, at nine years old. So I think wow. she learned to be independent pretty early. Yeah. You know? But and nowadays kids, I mean, like in high schools, I think it starts long before high school because I'm a parent of a fourth grader and a seventh grader. But ever since pre-kindergarten, the parent involvement that's required in schools today is just like, it teaches you to become micromanagers of your, of your kids' high school experience, which is the opposite of what the colleges want you to do because the colleges want you to be able to show that you're an independent person who does who thinks for themselves so it's, which it's, is ironic right because here we are you know high school process like you said was kind of like this process to create that that resume building where you're not really crafting an, an, an independent creature you're actually doing things to to fill up your resume with the things that you think are going to get you into a school which is really 
not about finding yourself at all. And um, I find that very real. So when I was in Hong Kong and my kids went to international schools there, oh my gosh, the tiger moms there galore. I mean, it was crazy the amounts of money they would spend on even like kindergartners to to practice for their interview to get into a, a primary school, you know. And, and then when it comes to the SATs or all those other things, oh my gosh, 10, 10, hundreds and thousands of dollars spent on that stuff. I guess I'm really naive because I just learned that actually the college consultants, they start at pre-K. <laughs> oh, sorry, my dog. Okay. Yeah. No, like that whole Asian tiger mom thing is so real in so many places, you know, and, and we're not talking just Chinese, right? We're talking like all across the board. And, and, and what does this do to a kid? So, you know, are there, do you know if there are any statistics, I'm just curious, of kids who've grown up in these kind of so-called structured, high-pressured, high-achieving kind of paths, um, and what damage this process had on them as successful adults, or is it so hard to gauge that we don't see it and we just kind of make our assumptions based on the people? Yeah, well, the impact of the downstream impact will often not show up for, you know, 10 years down the road, but it definitely has an impact. I mean, that's why um, even before the pandemic, there have been studies that have named high achieving students, the so-called smart kids at risk for anxiety, depression, substance abuse, and other, you know, mental health issues that will become long-term health issues so that you carry them with you. I mean, just think about it logically. When you think about what is the most formative thing in your adolescent that you still, like that you're still trying to recover from today, it's high school. High school has a huge impact on who you are as an adult. Um, and so many, for so many high school students, they're defining, um, the defining adjective of high school is stress. It's stress and it's it's not like, oh, my fun times, you know, playing, yeah. um, going to the football game or, you know, I mean, that wasn't always, <laughs> that doesn't have to be, or, or just whatever it is, going to a dance or hanging out with, or learning something. That's not what it is. It's stress is what most kids will say today. Um, and, um, you know, you think about, how that impacts a person's um, long-term mental health, it's really pretty severe. Um, yeah. We're not really thinking about that. I think that's one of the reasons why we, I told the story is that it kind of gives you a, a window into what really happens when you, cause you know, we can read about it and can read about varsity blue scandal. You can hear about, you can see like the odds are gonna be against you that you're, you know, you're going to try really hard and, and, and you won't get in. But the truth is when you do that, it has a, it's a really brutal process. Mm -hmm. And, you know, kids, I've seen kids, they get the, the, the wind knocked out of their sails and it takes them a long time to recover. It breaks you almost. Yeah. I mean, it's really heartbreaking to see that. And, and then when you, and you, and then you try to re resituate your your value system after something like that happens and then 
you know, what toll that takes on a person or, or the strength it takes to kind of get back on your feet, so to speak. And how, what, how do you, so I think, you know, to think outside the box is so important for kids too, but it's so hard because you're trapped in the system again. Um, and again, we are only focusing on for your film specifically are these, you know, more high achieving um, students within a school that is like rated top in the city at, in the public school system that uh, where everybody strives to get into Stanford and Harvard, you know, so we are, I just wanted to mention, you know, in, in the bigger um, picture is that this is just a small slice of life. And there are many, many kids who don't even have the opportunities or choose not to do this. So I just wanted to kind of bring a little um, reference to that. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, for, you know, often it's really trying to get into college is trying to get into college at all is a really big achievement, right? Um, and these are a very, um, you know, certainly a, a certain niche of students, but I think what's interesting is how much that has spread throughout, you know, our entire high school culture, actually. Yeah is that yeah. there is this kind of pressure. Um, it's definitely more widespread than when we were kids, you know? Sure. Because the nerds were sort of like the uh, the outcasts and the the exceptions. And now they're, the pressure to be that student is just much more mainstream. It's all bottlenecked into everyone getting into the system that somebody somewhere defined as the way for success. And then it hasn't broken yet. And I think it ha is breaking. I think there are lots of people who are increasingly challenging the system um, and deciding on their own terms how to, to choose their way of learning and how to succeed, which I think is fabulous. Um, but going back to, you know, the, the story in, in your film is, do you want to highlight like maybe a couple of characters? Because I really um, loved the storyline of the, I don't remember his name, but the one kid who, you know, came from a broken family. He was a single, you know, he's on his own most of the time. He had to cook for himself. And, you know, we don't often look at those pictures. We look at the tiger mom pressures, but we don't think about the kids who are, I think Hawaii is one of the few places when I first moved here that actually recognize homeless kids as a, um, not an uncommon population who goes into schools you know when you check those public school application forms there's actually a box for whether you're homeless and it broke my heart when I first saw it when I first moved here we don't recognize those um, people who are not in the so-called you know traditional family nuclear family kind of households so if you wanted to speak to that great yeah um, one of our students Shay he had to deal with housing insecurity in his um, senior year. So he, uh, actually it was his junior year. Yeah. A year younger than, than all the other um, seniors that we were following, but he was taking the same classes as the seniors because he was the classic kind of exceptional Lowell student, which, you know, a lot of those kids, they, by the time they get to senior year, they've taken so many of the AP level, college level, high school classes that they are, going off campus to the junior college that's down the street to take classes. And Shay is a kid like that, actually. So that was, you know, sort of how we met him was that he was hanging out with all of the, the science nerds in the AP physics class. And he's just this amazing kid. And then we come to find out that 
he was like, I'm really tired because, you know, not only did I stay up till four in the morning doing all my homework, but I also have to move because we just got evicted, which is something that is, you know, part of the fabric of living in San Francisco. I mean, we've got a lot of, um, you know, people who are, you know, having housing insecurity, housing struggles in, in, in a city like this where it's so expensive. Um, and, you know, that's what people also, I think they tend to think that if a school like Lowell High School, which is a public school, has so many kids that are doing um, relatively well, like in comparison to other kids academically, that they are, you know, somehow more privileged than other kids. But I mean, 40 to, you know, d depending on the year, 40% and more of the students are um, qualified for free and reduced lunch. So they're low-income students that, you know, th that, those are the kids that a school like Lowell High School was made for. It's to be able to provide a sort of, you know, um, education on par with a private school education free to the public. That's the whole point of Lowell High School. Um, and really it should be the point of every public high school, right? Yeah. But, um, but, you know, Shay, um, he's like an, a really an amazing kid. And um, yeah, he would talk to Alvin a lot, who is the other kid, another kid in our, in our film, whose parents were the opposite. You know, he, his mother and father were there at every turn. Yeah. You know, they would take him to school and pick him up from school. And really he was like, he's such the good Asian boy. Um, yeah. That like yeah. I think universally every mother that I've ever met, <laughs> I talked to about this film, they just want to hug him and like. Yeah, like, no, he has like a little cuddly bear. And it's amazing how much respect he has for his parents and the way he will abide by their, you know, ongoing expectations. And, and it's just, wow. But, yeah. And Shay um, and Alvin would have this conversation off camera sometimes. It's like an ongoing conversation about how different their parents' um, style of raising them was. One was totally micromanaging and the other was the complete opposite. And, um, you know, it would have been nice for Shay to have a meal cooked for him, right? Which yeah. he had to do everything for himself. And it's so interesting because, um, I don't know, I, it's, it's a parenting debate and I actually don't think that there's any one right way. I think you'll come to find out that how to get into college, there's like a million different ways to do it. And there's, you can consult with a college advisor, but ultimately, you know, there's many ways to do it. There's not just one way. But I, what I, one thing I did notice is that it kind of seemed like the kids who were at the really, really, really upper elite schools tended to be the one, are getting into them, tended to be the ones whose parents, when I would meet them, they would be like, I really didn't have anything to do with it. I just, like, I couldn't get in their way. I couldn't, I had to just get out of their way, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and Shay is an example of that, you know. And it's hard for parents who don't kind of do it that way to hear that because they want to be involved because they just have the best intentions for their kids, but they can't help themselves but be so much a part of this process. So I think this film speaks to not just the kids who are going through this and the relevance we all have because we all been, you know, if we have been through like this high school process is to, to find that relevance within our own life experiences and for the parents to see this and reflect on uh, what it means to be that supporting and guiding person and what does it mean to support you know um, and you offer the different um, ways through the, the stories that you kind of explore so in, in, in wrapping up um, 
what are some things that you want, you feel need to change in the system? And what do you want our listeners to, you know, go away thinking about with this process? You know, it's such a hard thing for parents. And like I was just saying, you get so much advice and, you know, um, there, everyone thinks that they know what's best, um, but really, um, it's an individual process, you know, each kid is going to go through their own, their own journey as they um, graduate from high school and, and try to apply to college if that's what they want to do. Right. Um, and so um, the main takeaway for me is that when you do that, you know, at the end of the day, you're still going to be um, the child of, of, of your parents. Right. Um, and, there, whatever school you do or don't get into, you're still going to have a relationship with your, the family or the people that got you there. And that it's, um, you know, you don't really want to destroy that relationship along the process just so that you can get into the, the school of your dreams. You know, that to me is, um, it's just like to remember the relationships that are at the center of, of the story. And, and, and that's one of the reasons why I made the film was that I think a lot of the students, especially when the ones who are Asian American who are applying to colleges in this process, they become just like a statistic, you know, they're like three sheets of paper, a bunch of test scores and grades, you know, and even if you throw out standardized testing, um, there's still like this whole shorthand for um, the way you quantify the kids that are applying, but they're just they're human beings, you know, yeah. three-dimensional kids that go beyond the test score and, and, you know. And that's what you bring. That's what you bring in Try Harder. You have the delight of these very normal high school kids in their different little individual nuances and quirks that come to life on, on the big screen. And I really appreciate that. So do you know um, which days you're screening at the upcoming HIF festival? <laughs> Okay, I will check that out and I will remind people to look yeah. out for it. But yeah. it is coming up in November, um, uh, second week of November. This is the Hawaii International Film Festival. Uh, before I, I, we leave, I just also want to mention because I loved your previous film, Seeking Asian Female. If people don't know Debbie Lum's films, please look her up because, um, you know, the exploration of this one, which is very different from Try Harder, I just wanted to get a quick little comment from you on the, you know, the, I know this is opening up a whole nother can of worms and I really shouldn't do this as we're ending up, but you know, I like to focus on women's stories and I think you do that. And then there is something for you being an Asian American female, where do you see, like, do you, you know, in light of all these things that's happened in the last year, this anti-Asian uh, hate movement, you being an educated um, woman and a mother and, um, and, and a filmmaker, what are some, thoughts you have on the Asian woman's position and how to create voice because you've broken boundaries in different ways through your films and I just wanted to hear a little bit of that too. I'm very thank you for asking that I'm conscientious of my dog growling in the background I apologize. I don't know. It's not real. Um, um, <laughs> Did I say something so wrong? <laughs> but um so yeah, it's, it's an important question, you know, 
when you look at what the wave of anti-Asian hate that is going through, spreading through our country right now, thanks to, um, you know, the whole kind of um, stereotyping and racist labeling of, of the COVID virus as the China virus. Um, this is something that happens and has, has happened in, in the United States in waves and it repeats over and over and over again. And it has so much to do with the fact that our stories aren't told. The story is not just about, um, yeah, stories about Asian Americans, Asian American Pacific Islanders. The stories about women or in general have been subjugated to the stories of men, um, especially as like a filmmaker, you're, you're quite aware of that because, um, you know, for me, especially, I love telling narratives and stories that, you know, to me, it's about storytelling and in storytelling, there's a protagonist and you, you know, if you're a filmmaker, who's a woman, you've mostly pretty much up until recently grown up with protagonists who are not women. Mm -hmm. And so you generally are used to walking in the shoes of a, of a, of a main character, a main subject who's a man and not, and definitely not a man of color. Usually that's just the, the norm. And so I think we're, but I think we're at a very exciting time where there's like a, a definite, um, a, you know, a shift and a change and, you know, it's an Definitely. important. And, and that's why you're here and uh, your voice matters. And thank you for bringing visibility to Asian American women and bringing us um, just, just good stories. And so Try Harder again is at the upcoming uh, Hawaii International Film Festival. Thank you so much. This was Debbie Lum, award-winning filmmaker. Thank you so much. Thank you, Crystal. Thank you.